0: Hi Avengers and welcome to another episode of Real Stories, a theatre and arts series hosted by me, Freddie Cocker. This is a series where you get to hear the alternative theme tune as well, provided by our friends in Eka. In each episode of this series, we discuss my special guests' theatrical careers, the pieces of work that have meant the most to them, what the stage gives them, if applicable, and their mental health journey. This is Real Stories. My special guest for this episode is a director, producer, editor and the co-founder of production company Three Minds Media. Joseph Kundi originally wanted to be an actor when he was in secondary school, but after a serious ankle injury which severely restricted his mobility for a period of time, he decided to go behind the camera instead and try his hand at filmmaking and directing. Joseph is also the director and producer of GDF Diaries, the series that Friend of the Pod Jackie Kibanza hosts on her platform La Grace de Francois, which I was interviewed on and how me and Joseph met. In this episode, we discuss how he found his self-worth to feel confident, charging fees for clients after he started his production company, that severe ankle injury and the impact it had on his mental health. We also discuss a depressive period he went through at the start of 2022, how the power of journaling helps him articulate and channel his mental health state. And it gave him an outlet to vent when he struggled to speak to people in his life. We talk about his friendship with his best mate Aaron and how they have helped each other with their mental health and the basics of good mental health self-care. So this is Joseph Kundi's real story. Joseph Welcome to Real Stories. Thank you so much for coming on, letting me check in with you mate. Thank you for coming over to my flat in North East London. Thank How you. are you
1: bro? How was your Christmas? My Christmas was great man. It was very very peaceful, relaxing. I a bit of football manager, so you of know. Of course. Oh. <laughs> mate, I
0: am telling you off there. I used to play it back in the day
1: and yeah. it was an addiction, so... Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm addicted right now. No. Any, anytime I can't I go get... back. <laughs> Don't go back. because Once you're on it, you're on it. No. For me, it's, it's a balance right now because mm-hmm. I'm
0: addicted, mate. I'm on my third season already and I only started playing like three, three four weeks ago. Oh, my God. I remember... Uh, Specs of like one of my favourite YouTubers, and he, uh, he turned up in like a suit and tie when he got into the Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: yes, that's exactly uh, it. Uh, uh have you seen the video of the guy um in the front room of his family and that, uh, and he went to the Champions League final. Yes, and he lost, and they boot him out. <laughs> The struggle is real, man. <laughs> that will be me, you know. That will be everyone. has to watch you take it, it
0: so seriously. Develop like emotion. I used to like develop emotional attachments to my yeah,
1: players. I do. Ah, oh, mate, I had to sell two of my best players. To- I'm Brighton right now. I had to sell Tyreek Lamptey and Macalister.
0: It hurt my heart, man. It hurt my heart. I was like, don't go, please, don't go. I hear like wild stuff, like when you get like 17 seasons in, you get like a son or something like that yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. bonkers, yeah. man. You have to be realistic, man. I
1: put <laughs> I put my actual age there so 17 <laughs> years and now I'll be like 40 and probably I'll probably have a son by then, innit? You'll be probably playing for my team and whatnot. <laughs> just boo it up in 20 years' time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just put him in right there, man.
0: But no, nah, I've been great, man. I've been cool. Yeah, just enjoying life at the moment. When we had our chat off there, I had this feeling that this pod's going to be just one of my smoothest conversations oh, ever. Dear. So without further ado, mate, Are you ready to start the show? I'm ready, man. Let's start the pod as we do on every episode of Real Stories, mate, by talking about your journey into the arts and your real story, shall we say. You are a filmmaker, director and producer, not an actor, as my previous guests have been, but acting was initially something that you wanted to try too. So tell me, first of all, how and why you made that transition from acting into filmmaking, And what made you fall in love with being behind the camera and not just on it?
1: Okay, so where do we start? Let's start with the acting Mm -hmm. first, yeah. So, yeah, in secondary school, I just love acting, drama. It was something that was good, interesting. I realised I'm the type of guy that loves stuff that's creative, very interesting, that I can do, explore my mind. So acting came about, been in a few productions, Theatre productions, especially so. I'm a, a, my background, if I say to acting, it'll be theatre. Love theatre, man. It's just the, the feeling of you, the have, adrenaline, isn't it? Yeah, the adrenaline. Yeah. You have to be on stage, you have to perform. You're on job every day. Yeah, you like have if it's to a be run the shows, you yeah. on job every uh, day. Yeah, I remember yeah. one production, yeah. We must have been going around different schools and everything mm-hmm. and doing it. So I, I, feel like, I feel like
0: teenage crowds
1: are more daunting than adult crowds. It is, it is, it is, it is. It is. <laughs> so I must have been on stage now. I'm saying my lines, I'm saying my line. It got to my last final line to say. I stood there for a minute straight. No, it was 10 seconds. But it felt like it was an hour. Oh my days, I stood there, froze. All the words left my mouth. I was thinking, nah, what am I going to do? I'm just trying to style it out. Did the audience think you were like doing it for a dramatic effect sort of thing? It was uh, for me for me it was dramatic effects. My cast were looking at me like bro, we know it's you, you know. (laughs) Come on, come on, do something, then boom. It hit me. The line hit me and then boom, 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 boom. It went smoothly. After that, they were like to me, oh, Joseph, you did amazing. It was great. It was great. It was great. Because the production, um The Tempest, it was The Tempest that mm-hmm. I did. You know Shakespeare, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I feel like it's one of the hardest things to do, especially as a teenager as well. Boy. Like, Because it's old English. Old yeah, English. Yeah, 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 yeah. So imagine in this production, there was two teams. They had to do one team, another team. Another guy messed up, in it, mm-hmm. So they had to get rid of him. So I was part of both teams. So I was juggling two productions at the same time. So mm-hmm. I'll go to one school, then do another school, then do another school where other guys just did one school. So I felt like, yeah, I had to take the responsibility up and do well. But at the end of the production, I say, yeah, I killed it, man. I killed it. I got the DVD at home somewhere. <laughs> a DVD to... as well. are back yeah, old school now, isn't Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Back old school because, yeah, we had one major production. We performed that one theatre. I forgot the name of it. That's where the main one. So I need to go check back that mm. um, thing but yeah that's how my career in filming started I started off acting then after that year 11 I broke my ankle then after that I wanted to do acting in college but then after that the motivation desire to act just went away and by then I was already doing filming for church filming my parties I go out my cousins and like, they'll, they'll take me filming oh yeah take the camera do this at the third so I already kind of enjoyed the filmmaking process behind it already so when it came to college I was like nah man I don't want to be on my feet is, is jarring already, like, oh, yeah, being on my ankle, my ankle's broken. I'm like, nah, I don't want to do it no more. So then I went to college, I was like, nah, you know what? I want to change it to media productions. It's something that I enjoy. And then after that, ever since then, I haven't looked back since then. I've enjoyed it ever mm-hmm. since.
0: We're going to talk about your ankle injury in, in your mental health journey, mate. But just yeah. coming back to how you got into filmmaking, obviously you said your cousin really helped you. Your older brother was also a filmmaker, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. How my did mental, they provide... Yeah that mentorship to you when you were first starting out? What skill did they give you?
1: So one skill, especially editing, mm-hmm. that's the most important thing. If you want to be a part of the camera, you need to learn how to edit. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that they taught me first. Oh, yeah, can you edit this? Can you do that the third? Can you take out the camera here? You've got to be, and I realised with filmmaking, you've got to be meticulous. Mm-hmm. You've got to point out things that other people won't see. That's what they installed for me from young. Like you've got to see things from different perspectives where other guys would not see.
0: Let's talk about Three Minds Media now because you made that big step to start your own production with two of your friends. Tell me about the inspiration behind the name. Obviously, for the listeners, Three Minds Media is probably an obvious one. But just tell me what you wanted to achieve with it and your goal for it. Okay,
1: um, Three Minds Media, how it came about with my two friends at college. I saw potential in each and every one of us and what Mm -hmm. we can do. So I was like, you know what? I approached one of them, Nabil. I was like, you know what? I see so much potential in you. I see the growth we can achieve. And if we do it together, we can achieve new heights and everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that came about. And then Risty, he was there. He just great motivational guy you know he's there whatever you ask him to do he will do it you know what I'm saying and then so that came about all three of us collabed and everything we did our first production a little short that I wrote I don't know whether it's going to come out or not maybe one day bro Uh, maybe one day maybe one day as As a a a perspective as as a throwback you know what (laughs) I'm saying but I don't know man I mean what should we say like if if guys if guys get this video to a certain amount of likes I release it type (laughs) of thing innit that's the energy I'm on in it. but for now I'm keeping it hush so yeah we came about there. And then after that, college, we didn't have a name. We were, we were just rolling through the productions. Let's mm-hmm. just produce something, do something. I think, yeah, then after that, it came to, like, uni times. We need to come up with a name for us. And the man's media, there was a lot of names coming through. And I think I came up with Free man's media. Guys will think, oh yeah, the three of us is Free man's media. Yeah, mm. that's the basics to it. But at the same time, it's free your mind. You've got to free your mind in, in stuff that you do. You're creative. One thing about creative is we've got to free our minds. Well, never limited to anything that we do, you know what mm. I'm saying? So yeah, that's the way um, Free man's media, the name came about and how we also came together.
0: And how do you work in tandem with each other? What are your relationships like? You know, Who provides what out of the creative process and, and yeah. how do you help each other mentally too?
1: Right now it's, it's a bit of a battle still. Yeah, mm. we're going got free something, but like, um, hopefully we can prevail. I'll say, me and the Bill are the creative side, more creative, technical with the camera work, with the creating ideas. And everything, and then Risty's like the behind the scenes. Like, mm-hmm. if if we need anything, we just go to Risty behind the scenes. Can we get this done? Can we get this done here? Can we do it? Not a like, lot. So Isaac, like, I'll say he's the manager type. Mm-hmm. Like he's just keeping watching everything with the bookkeeping and whatnot. Whilst me and the Bill are there doing the technical creative sides, and mentally we just try to push each other. But um, I'll say right now it's just been a battle of what not, because finishing uni. You know how you got to finish uni. We all mm. go through a different mindset. It's Just now. reset reset sort of period reset yeah 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 yeah. so this year really and truly has been the reset period and trying to find our feet again Mm -hmm. individually now we need to try to find our feet again collectively so we can grow
0: I want to move on to a topic which you wanted to talk about in depth mate which is self-worth because it's it's fair to say that you struggled a little bit at the start of this journey and your career when it comes to knowing what you were worth yeah so how did you go about finding work first of all? And then how did you go about finding how you were gonna be worth yourself?
1: With self worth is how do I find work? Generally people came to me. Yeah, so more time people came to me, Oh yeah, you see like the work you're doing, this, that, the third, oh yeah, well, can you help me out doing this? And um for me, I'm happy to help out anyway. And I thought that's my problem, like I'm happy to help out. I will say I'm too nice. Mm-hmm. Like whenever anyone needs a helping hand, I'm there to help out, type mm. of thing. So I didn't really value myself in anything that I was doing. So if someone said, "Oh, can you do this? Can you do that?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure. No or, Yeah, I can help mm. you out, type of thing." Because at the end of the day, I wanted to grow myself in this filmmaking business and any job that I come across, I will do it. But you want I, the experience. I want yeah. the experience. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the most important thing for me right now. Build that, that portfolio at the start. Build that portfolio, is the, massive, the, isn't it? then yeah, the yeah. experience, and then after that. I just found myself doing stuff that I didn't like. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I found out in myself, if I'm not interested in anything or what the stuff I'm doing, I'm not putting my 100% into it. Mm. I'm putting half my energies into it. It's not very good for myself and it's not good for the client at the same yes. time because they're thinking, ah, oh, rah, what's going on? Like, like, is he not producing to his best qualities? But when they see someone else's work, they're comparing the both and mm. I, and me I don't like comparison because at the end of the day it's two different type of works, two different type of environments, two different type of energies. So yeah, that's how it came about. And then now it's just like I'm not taking on any other people's works no mm-hmm. more because I'm just like, does it benefit me in any sort of way? Mm. Of course it'll benefit me, but at the same time I'm like, is it me? Yes. Type of thing. Is it me? Is it something that I'm going to enjoy? And if and if I'm not gonna enjoy it, I'm gonna toss them straight up, nah that's not me, mm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, unfortunately for you, I won't be able to help you out, you mm. can find someone else that will enjoy the stuff, mm. but for me, it's just, I'm not going to enjoy it, so there's no point in me doing it, even though the money's nice and whatnot, and stuff like that, even speaking about money, sometimes I don't even like charging people, just because of the experience, I want to gain experience before mm-hmm. I start charging people that a certain price range, I'll charge people a certain price range, but it wouldn't be too extortionate, and then I'll be uh, yeah, and then they'll sometimes question, oh, how comes the quality of the work? It's not like that. I'm like, yeah, is this how much I charge? Like, if mm-hmm. you want good quality of work, I'll charge you this, that, of that's But I can't do that to you. As I said before, mm. I'm too nice. <laughs> mm. I'm too nice. Like, I have to find a balance in some more of things I do.
0: You spoke there about finding the value in your art. Yeah. So did you struggle more <clears> so in valuing your time?
1: Yes. Yes, it's just now these days, I say to people, My time is my currency. That's the most important thing that I have right now, isn't it? If I give up my time for you, just know you need to be appreciated of of the time that I've given for you. But then after that, sometimes I'll be on set and then the way some people treat you and stuff like that, they're not valuing my time. And I'm like, nah, I can't do that no more. I have to be somewhere where people value my time, value my efforts and value the
0: stuff that I put in. Just on a professional basis, with your ankle injury, did that aftermath, Ever seep into your professional confidence at all?
1: No, because I I'll say that was my early college days before I even stepped onto free man's media type of thing or stepped onto doing productions or going out for people. So yeah, I had to go through that injury and understand myself mentally Mm -hmm. and everything like that before I'd done anything else. Because Mm -hmm. yeah, that was that was tough, man.
0: You spoke earlier in the pod about learning the skills to be behind the camera and be a director and a producer. How did you? Or how do you go about that now in making people feel comfortable and able to either act or just talk on camera to the best of their ability? So, for example, the work you did with me when yeah. I came on GDF Dive, which we're going to talk about in a second. But all the guests that you've had on, mm-hmm. how do you go about that as a director and a producer?
1: I think it's just my personality, to mm. be honest, is that I'm talkative. I try to find the barrier of where we can connect and speak on that. Like, I'll ask you questions and then after that, once I'll gather somewhat some information about you, in my head i start processing, oh yeah, you like that, let me just talk about mm-hmm. that, get them comfortable and everything. You saw it on GDF Diaries, the way, I don't know man, we just clicked straight away. Yeah, of course. We yeah, clicked yeah. Straight it's an East London thing as yeah. well. As well. <laughs> <laughs> we clicked straight away, so it's me finding out what they like, people, person skills as well, speaking slower, not shy in, mm. like just taking your time with people, getting to know them first, asking them questions, letting them feel comfortable in the space by talking to... Yeah, as I said, talking to them and and what else? Letting them know, yeah, I care, type of thing. Letting them know I care, like... Add the
0: human element in and not just be the technical person. Nah,
1: nah, nah, nah. Because at the end of the day, we're all humans, man. You want to feel welcome and invited in every environment that you are in.
0: Let's talk about GDF Diaries now, because you produce it for Friend of the Pod, Jackie Cabanza's platform, La Grace de Francois. Now, for the listeners who haven't heard her episode or haven't heard of the series... She interviews men and women who have been domestically abused and sexually abused so far. She might do other series (laughs) as we come into 2023. Mm -hmm. As a director, imagine what you've heard has been pretty eye-opening, perhaps even shocking at times. So how have you felt hearing these stories you probably wouldn't have done otherwise?
1: It's an eye-opener, as you said. Mm. Definitely an eye-opener. And it just made me question myself and how I I conduct myself, the words that I use, anything like that. Because anything you can say if you don't come across right it can be manipulative mm-hmm. the way you speak to women the way you see women now mm-hmm. i see women now has changed completely that like, i wouldn't say i saw them as an object before but like now it's just like oh yeah you gotta speak to them in a certain way you can't you can't mm-hmm. use these certain type of jargon mm-hmm. you can't use this certain type of words you can't do this at the first just because to them it might be perceived as a bad way even men as well because this year we interviewed men and last year it was women first so it was a. Uh, yeah, an eye-opener and a point where I can I had to self-reflect within myself just to conduct myself in a proper, proper way. Not saying I've conducted myself in a bad mm. way or anything like that. We can that. always be better, can't we? Yeah, we, we can yeah. always be better. And, and the show has taught me that I need to be better. Not just for me, for my friends, for my family, mm. for my nieces, for my nephews and people around me. You just need to conduct yourself better.
0: What differences did you see in how the people that you interviewed were domestically abused and sexually abused and what similarities did you see as well between them?
1: Ooh, that's a good question, mate. (laughs) Let me think. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start with the similarities. Mm -hmm. Is the comfort where people felt comfortable to come to them and then speak to them in a certain way. There's two people in my head where they were in the relationship wise and everything, they were they were comfortable in the relationship so it allowed the other person to be manipulative Mm -hmm. um I said manipulative and coercive. Mm -hmm. Those are the two things that are similar and the difference is with I say with the men you wouldn't really expect it just because uh yeah you're you're a man you need to be strong. Mm. And that's the mentality I've got out of now like Anyone can be manipulative. Anyone can be coercive. Anyone can get into your head, and mm. it's the fact that when once they get into your head, or that you make them feel comfortable, the technical terms are not coming to me right now. I, mean, I have a bit of a block. No,
0: when you said there about what type of men as well, like for example, with Micah, he's a big guy. Big guy, yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. So he, yeah, goes, yeah. he goes to the gym. He's not, he's not in a, what a lot of men's heads as well. I think as well as women's heads would you would look at and say that's for someone who's been through domestic abuse. Yeah. No, yeah.
1: literally, literally. And it's obviously seen as a big guy. And, and it's the thing with uh, between men, you can't hit women. It's not socially acceptable to mm-hmm. hit a woman because obviously you're a man, you're much stronger than her. But mm-hmm. in a sense where, where she's violent towards you, you've got to defend yourself type mm-hmm. of thing. It's bad for me to say, but if someone hits me, I, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, but I have to defend myself yes, type of yes. thing, it. And if you get a punch to your face or you get pushed back or you get a bit of violence towards you, just know you acted upon yourself mm. to do that against I you. Think,
0: I think men find that jarring because when it's a man hitting yeah. you, you yeah. automatically, most people, if you get into that mindset, you're yeah. going to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But if someone who's being domestically abused is, is a man and they're domestically abused by a woman and they and the woman hits them, yeah. they might not immediately go, oh, I need to defend myself because there's that rightly social norm in your head that you yeah. go, It's wrong for me to 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 react. But then if that keeps happening, then that's how you can get locked in a domestically abusive relationship. That's it, because you
1: know, that's the thing I feel like with, I'm sorry to say, but with women, they know that that's the power that they have. A man's not allowed to hit me, so I'm going to try to take liberties to what I can do and what I cannot do. Mm -hmm. And then often it's, as you said, men can't hit women and it's tough for us because how long can we take this and yes. um, endure it type mm. of
0: thing? And yeah, you gotta, you got to... That's the taboo. That's the stigma, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Let's reflect on this filmmaking journey then so far, Joe. So what has it taught you about yourself so far? Another great question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's making me think today, you know. <laughs> and what has it made me think about myself? That the sky's the limit. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can do anything. I enjoy filmmaking, the process, the beginning stage, the stressing out. Yeah, I I, like, I don't know why, but I like the stress of um, filmmaking. you got to find a lot of things and put it towards myself. So the stress help you focus? Yeah, because <laughs> for me, I've got a deadline and everything. I'll say for an upcoming series that's coming out soon... By the time this podcast comes out, it mm-hmm. should be out. Yeah, it should be on its way out. But like, it was the stress in finding, oh, you got to be focused. you got to be in the moment. you got to produce. you got to produce. you got to find things and doing it. So yeah, when, once that happened and I got over that barrier of finding it and the stress was over, I'm much, much happier now and everything. But then after that, for myself, this filmmaking process taught me connections you've got to build connections in this world man because you never know who you may need and who you might help mm-hmm. in your world and and it's always good to give a helping hand out mm.
0: yeah do you find producing or editing better or just different for your mental health which one do you find better and which ones do you find that affect you in different ways
1: editing i have to be meticulous i have to get everything perfect you're trying to get um, everything right to the t mm-hmm. and then i realize i say to these people again there's no such thing as perfect yes there's no such thing as perfect, no matter what Sometimes you're you saying, do. You, as <laughs> yes. long Sometimes as, you to make do. As long as it looks correct and it's acceptable to you and it's okay, that's all right. That's editing. Producing, you've got to be to the point, to the T, you've got to be right. Everything has to be perfect on the day. As I said, there's nothing right about perfect. I've been on sets where, yeah, a lot of things have went wrong and then I had to go to the editing and then fix it and correct mm. it. So that's the balance between the both where you just have to find the balance. And I'll say, there's a contrast which, I don't want to put it out. It's two different things, but they semi-coexist to each mm-hmm. other. If you can edit, you can kind of produce because you know what you want mm. type of thing. And then that's what producing is teaching you. You know what you want and you have to
0: go for it. We've talked all about Joseph, the filmmaker, the director, the producer, the sometime actor in the past. Let's go a bit deeper now, Joe, and talk about your own mental health journey. So I ask all my special guests this question first. Walk me through early life, teenage years, and looking back, were there any early mental health experiences you can pinpoint? Who's the Joseph we meet here? I have
1: some no recollections of my early life, <laughs>
0: That's a bit of a blur, but yeah.
1: Been good. I didn't. I wouldn't say I really thought of anything too tough with mm. my mental health when I was growing up as a child. Like, looking back now, gotta give me time to think. As I said, today you've been asking me some, some, <laughs> some questions, you know, making me think really, really hard. Early life... And I ain't been too too bad. It's just yeah, I had to check myself kind of much. I felt like my mental health wasn't too bad when I was growing mm-hmm. up. I think I was aware mm-hmm. of it at an early early age. Just oh, okay, of, just because of the things that the comments that people were making to me and stuff like that about my body weight and um, right. and everything like that. So you know when them comments are always in mm. your head and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you have got to lose weight. You got to do this 3rd You're a bit big. That's been that made you be
0: aware of your mental health,
1: really. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah. you're there, you're there, you're there questioning yourself. Am I that big and whatnot? And then looking mm. back at it, I wasn't that big, man. People were just lying. I was okay, maybe <laughs> I was big for my age and whatnot, but poppy fat <laughs> like I had. Yeah, 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 I was a bit I, of a bigger child, so. I wasn't that big, man. Yeah. People exaggerate my bigness, but now when I look back at it, I'm, even now I'm not that big. But people try to make jokes that like I'm big, mm. type of thing. But yeah, it's just yeah, I've been kind of on the big side all my life and everything. So yeah. It's just been them comments of your mm. fat, this, that, the third, and everything like that. It's been like that. Walking into secondary school, nah, not really. No problems mm-hmm. there. I started to understand a bit more about mm-hmm. mental health and whatnot, but I didn't know what it was and everything like that. And until I broke my ankle, that's where the reality check hit me and everything of that. And then secondary school, when they, I think college, when they started to take 2007 E16, that's when they. I believe the world decided to take mental health a bit more seriously in the conversations about it. So yeah, I'll be like, I'll be my mental health journey until young to then. And then now it's just, yeah, I check myself very, very regularly. Self-reflections here, there, pretty much every single day.
0: I'm right in saying that when you got the ankle injury, you were going to the gym quite a lot. You were a bit bigger than you were physically now. You were lifting a lot of weight. So how did that injury affect not just your fitness regime, but the way you perceived yourself as well? Damn.
1: Man. <laughs> Let's take it back to twenty sixteen, man. Yeah, I was that game and I was gymming every single other day and everything like that. And my big rucksack, I was like, yeah, after school I'm gonna go gym. This around yeah, eleven times. I'm like, yeah, for prom I wanna lose weight, I wanna look good in my suit and whatnot. Don't Just, be slim fit. I gotta be slim <laughs> fit, you know. <laughs> Got in a large, not a medium type of thing, anyone. <laughs> but yeah, I was like to myself, yeah, I wanted to lose weight, I wanted to be I wanted to look good for prom, you know, I wanna have that little confidence. So mm-hmm. I started to go gym. And everything like that. I was even going to gym before that. I was playing football Sunday league and that. I was the biggest one on the team, of course. So, yeah. But, yeah, again, I was still playing good. I was like, I don't say I was one of the best performers there. Like, <laughs> questionable. Am I going to get that. comments on this pod saying, no, nah, he wasn't, though? <laughs> I, I was. I, <laughs> and no, come back to me. I, I, did, I did my job. I did my job. I looked at that picture and said, yeah, I did my thing. But, yeah. So, I, I was gymming and everything. And then after that, boom. The ankle injury hit me. And it was a weird one because it wasn't football. Mm-hmm. It wasn't gym or anything like that. It was just messing about between friends and everything. Like, I got fire clipped on my chest and I went down very, very awkwardly. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I couldn't get up after it, it was painful to say the least. Till this day, I'm meant to get the x-ray. I've had the form on my laptop for a time just to get it. But I don't know why. I think maybe because it was a bit of a traumatic experience for me. that you don't I want had,
0: to be reminded of it. I don't want thing. to be reminded yeah. of it.
1: But the break was very, very bad. You can, I can show you right now. like Here, mm-hmm. it, was pro- it was split open.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, it was split. The fracture was bad. I can say So it was a really obnoxious, um, not obnoxious, innocuous injury, yeah. but it was massive. It was yeah. massive, yeah, 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 yeah. I've only seen that x-ray like, at least
1: once. I think I'm going to have the confidence to get it checked out, because I don't know, man. I, I kind of like it and everything. The scar just reminds me of everything that mm. happens. But yeah, since the injury and that, I don't know, people that have been injured, I won't be able to walk. There's, there's this battle of, am I going to walk again, this, mm-hmm. that, the third. And then I start to check myself and be like, damn. This is how people in wheelchairs, people in crutches mm-hmm. feel like. You got a like, glimpse of it. You yeah. got a glimpse of yeah. their life that they have. Like it's very, very hard and everything that like, you can't do things for yourself. I was bed bound. I didn't care. That mm. at that point I didn't care. Deceaseds were coming up. My teacher was telling me you got to go come back for school and do your mock exams. My dad was pushing me. I just didn't care no more, man. That what's the point? What's the point doing these exams and everything like that where (laughs) life is bad. (laughs) Life is bad. So like, yeah, it was very, very tough for me because then after that, I couldn't do a lot of things. I couldn't run. I couldn't go gym. Mm. I couldn't walk. Even when getting back to walking, I was the slowest between my friends and that. They'll make jokes. Oh yeah, you got to hurry up, man. You're slowing us down and everything Mm. like that. Even though they said it as a joke, it kind of hurt, man, innit? And I showed them, yeah, it hurt me because like, I'm trying my best to do everything that to be part normal, but... I say, ever since the injury, nothing's ever been normal for my ankle. Mm. I say, if people ask me, how's your ankle right now? I've got arthritis for life. I don't know when it's going to kick in. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it doesn't. One ankle's always bigger than the other, as you can Mm. see. It's tough, man. It's tough, it's tough, it's tough.
0: But yeah, it was part of the journey and part of the process to make me the person that I am here Mm. today. You're in this depressive period of your life, mate, and you said this injury was a huge turning point because it made you see people for who they truly were. What did you mean by that?
1: Oh, mate. <laughs> I was in the hospital, man. No one came to
0: see A few amount of people came to
1: see me, but, like, it was, they cared at one point, and after that, they didn't really care, type mm. of thing. And that's, and that's been me for, for the longest, like. I see people, like, people care just about. And I don't blame them, man. I don't, I don't really blame people about it. But you just see people for who they are, and they just care for only a certain period of time. And then after that, they don't care no more, I, I can just remember, I do now remember who came to visit me in the hospital and whatnot, who didn't, who came to see me at home and who didn't, and it's just like, yeah man, is that like you're um, supposed to call friends, acquaintances now, like, who was there for you and who wasn't, the type of thing.
0: So you found out who you were, but you also found out who was other people, and yeah. other people were. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely, yeah. You told me a story about this period when your mum asked you to go have dinner at Nando's. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't want to go. Just tell the listeners what happened and why it made you so upset. Why was it such an easy story for the listeners to maybe understand, but it was a, di- a difficult story for you personally?
1: So I'm just there chilling on my bed. I don't think I went out that day. And I think this was her trying to motivate me to mm. get back to walking, to do things. But when you're injured and you break your ankle, walking it takes a lot of energy out of you especially with you're relying on one foot to walk you're just hopping about for me to go to the shop or come back it will take twice as long and then by then we're going by and everything and I just didn't want to go out man and then yeah I must have broke down in tears yeah I broke down in tears I was like nah man I don't want to do anything like that and then that's the realization of as I said ah this is how people in crutches people in wheelchairs feel because a lot of things for them is much much harder like you can't do anything yourself you you're trying to be independent but then after that people have this little pity for yourself mm. pity for you and then you're trying to be independent type of thing so yeah i literally broke down i thought to mum i don't want to do anything just leave me alone let me just stay at home so that was pretty tough for me but then she said you know what she sat me down we prayed together and then after that i after said that, i got the courage to go out because i didn't want to disappoint her mm. any
0: day what was the reason for you coming out of that period like you said not only to disappoint your mum did you find solace or strength in other people
1: yeah i did because i think people started to take me out more i started mm. to go out more yeah just like trying to get back to my feet i went i think about then i was back in school yeah, I was doing my, my exams and everything like that. So yeah, I had, you know the ones you have to put up a front that mm, you're okay? Mask. Yeah. The mask, it, And then I just believed my mask that I was okay and then slowly got back to see my friends. Because I don't think people understand when you're in the point of loneliness and solitude, your mind takes over. You have different thoughts. You have different feelings. Them intrusive mm. thoughts take over. They become your best friends. You mm. listen to them more. But then after that, once you step out of that and back into reality, back with your people, back with your friends they start to slow down and then they start to disappear then they go back into the back of your head mm. type of thing so
0: yeah at the time you like you said you had this mask on and you were struggling to vocalize how you were feeling but you needed to find an outlet to do it yeah. you needed to find your release valve as i yeah. say mm-hmm. how did you go about that you said that journaling was something that you tried and that actually had a huge benefit for your mental health why was that
1: i say journaling came much later in my life but then <laughs> bad behavior right recklessness <laughs> I, did, I did bad yeah. behavior yeah so yeah i masked it through bad behavior and recklessness as i said i didn't care at this point man mm. like anything in life i said yeah you know what nah man i want to do me i'm going to do enjoyment so i've done i done some bad boy behavior do i regret it to this day no not at all i enjoyed it but it's the type of things where i was like yeah if this is helping me get out of that situation and type
0: of thing so it's a distraction what- or was it an escapism
1: escapism mm-hmm. yeah distraction and
0: escapism yeah I, I had to distract myself and get myself out of that so yeah I'll say that so when did that change when did you find the positive outlets for your mental health
1: <laughs> mm. journaling but that came much much later
0: it's been it's been I'll say pfft,
1: yeah the mental health battles it's been a journey man since the age of 16 to 19 from the first moment I started to journal mm. I think yeah that's the first moment when I start when I put my emotions on pen to paper at the age of What's it, 19? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's even on my phone to this day. Like Sometimes I go back to it and I just feel like, yeah, this was the best thing that I could do for myself. Just because keeping the thoughts and them feelings in your head is never a good thing, man. As I said, they will take captive and they'll take thought of
0: everything that you do. I want to fast forward a little bit now to 2022 and yeah. the year we're just about to mark. Mm-hmm. Because you said you felt again depressed at the start of this year mm-hmm. and you were in a creative block and you said to me off air that you didn't feel yourself so who's the Joseph we meet at this point the Joseph that we meet at this point here
1: is much much happier creatively flowing again creatively intrigued ready to tackle the world earlier in 2020 I must have finished off the uni we graduated but then by then after graduation I just yeah as I said I did not feel myself like I said to myself there was something wrong I told Jackie I told people around me yeah I don't feel myself and I can tell because I'm normally happy, I'm normally creative, I'm normally thinking it, but I didn't want to create, I didn't want to pick up the camera. At these points, I was forced to pick up the camera and do stuff just not to let people down. But for myself, I'm like, I didn't really enjoy it at all. Even at a point I was thinking, damn, maybe I need to take a step back from filming and doing something else just to find my feet again. And I kind of did that. I stopped creating just to find myself again until I got into a different job. And then, I don't know, man, I started to run again. Oh, yeah, running helped. <laughs> oh, really Okay, so yeah. you were able to run then? Yeah, yeah, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So from not walking to think, but that came much, much later. I think that's when I went to uni, yeah. Uni, I said, you know what, let me start running. Started off with the treadmill, I didn't like the treadmill. And then I started running around St. Mary's Stadium. Five laps around the stadium. That helped me cool down. And everything like that. So fitness, I say, fitness has been a part of my journey positively, and everything. And that's what got me out of this stint again. I said, you know what? I don't want to be feeling like this again. And me, as well. I feel like my body's a reflection of myself and whatnot. Like if I'm not taking care of my body, I'm not taking care of my mental. If I'm mm. not taking care, as I said, if I'm not taking care of my hair because I got waves, I have got to brush them. I got to be meticulous with it. If I'm not doing that, I'm not taking care of myself. When I started again, I started to run. And after that, the emotions and everything, like I let my frustration out through running and everything. I thought the reason why I felt the creative block and everything, because I think I burnt myself out. Yeah, I burnt myself out just because I was doing GDF. I was going uni. I was working. I was doing a number. Something I had to give, do you know what so, I mean? Yeah. I was doing, I was, so at that point, finishing uni, I did so much, man. Back and forth, London to thing. As I said, GDF, doing this at the third, we're, we're going out every month, and it, we're doing a lot of things. I was doing a lot of things, so something had to give, something had to think, and then just, whoosh, everything just came to a standstill and everything, and then moving back home, you know, moving back home, you go from you're having this great independence to somewhat independence. Now, I, I'll say I'm, I'm independent, even when I'm at home, I'm independent, but it's just like, I went from having my own room to go and sharing a room again. Mm. And I said to my little brother, your room is your mental space. If your room is not clean, your mind is not clean. So it's, there's certain things that I've, I've already understood for myself. Like, you got to do certain things just to keep yourself happy. There's a... How, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm looking for a specific word. Personality clash at home. Okay. Yeah. There's a big personality clash at home for me. You know what I'm saying? I like things a certain way. People like things a certain way. And then when you raise your voice, you do this at a third, you're know, just clashing, clashing, mm-hmm. clashing. So that even played a factor to me being... and then being burnt out, the creativeness and everything like that. And we fast forward it to, I'll say, I got out of this rut, rut, yeah, yeah, coming towards the end of July, okay, June, July, yeah. I moved into my office, the den and everything Mm -hmm. like that. So that got me out of the room where I'm editing and everything like that. I'm just clashing with my brother to now being in my own space, trying to create and everything like that again. Then after that, I went on the holiday. That was a big break. I ain't been on the holiday for two, three years. I went with my my bros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are my bros. I went with them, relaxed, enjoyed, drank, got drunk, enjoyed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll say the holiday was very much needed because... It was a mental detox. Not an alcohol detox, but a mental detox. It was a mental detox. detox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I detoxed. I let all my emotions out of there. I was in the sun. I was happy and everything. And then once I've come back from that holiday... The motivation, the drive, the creativeness just came flushing back Mm. and everything. And then I say now, much, much happier, much, much more content in everything that I'm doing. And it's just now I want to achieve all my goals. I want to take it to the next level and achieve things that I haven't achieved. That's Mm. what I said. And I've been telling a lot of people, my 2023 is going to be great just because I've proclaimed it i are speaking it into existence and I'm speaking it into existence and anything that my projects and everything that I have with other people I'm telling them as well your 2023 is going to be great just because I said it Mm. and just because I believe it as well and I believe in myself
0: much much now more than anything I want to move on to a really special relationship you have with your best mate Aaron, Joe now tell the listeners how you've both supported each other's mental health in the years you've been friends and the name you have for when you both need to talk about your mental, your own <laughs>
1: space.
0: Jeez, my guy, AB, you know, shout out to <laughs> AB.
1: That's my real hitter, man. My, that's my slime. If you had to name my relationship, it will be Keenan and Kel. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we like to do. Yeah, that's my guy, man. Yeah. The relationship with him, he, I think for me, he opened up to me first. So when he opened up to me, like, he...
0: It's he a big moment for me. It's a big yeah, moment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yes. you feel that at the
1: time as well, like, your responsibility
0: and how you reacted to it?
1: Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because I can say, like, he opened up to me, he would let me know how he's feeling and everything like that. And I thought, okay, this is another person that I can open up to. All my feelings and emotions that I've had, I could tell him, you know what I'm saying? He's probably, like, the first person I told my good news or anything like that. Anything I have to say, I'll go straight to him because he's my brother, like, we've been through a lot. I see them go through a lot and everything like that but it's just like where we are right now I'm happy for each other and everything that like, we can we can talk to each other we can tell each other anything no judgment no no anything like that it's just mm. yeah it come straight up unconditional love I swear sometimes
0: it's not easy to be happy for other people you know nah, people if, don't realise that nah, people,
1: yeah me I, me I try to be happy for everyone mm. you know as I said I don't get it when people are not happy for other people I don't know what animosity it's jealousy, isn't it? jealousy yeah. that you have behind it but like you need to be happy for another human being achieving and doing what they need to do What's the word that we call it again? Story time. <laughs> story yeah. time, that's it. Whenever we have anything or anything like that, we'll say, yeah, I've got a story for you because at the end of the day, life is a story. Life is a journey. So yeah, we call it story time. So we just tell each other everything and we label it under stories just to make it feel more comfortable mm. and everything. You take so, yeah. the weight off it, so Yeah, we take the weight yeah. off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anything that we have, we just share it among each other and anything that we say, we've created a safe space with each other where we can say anything Mm. where there'll be no judgment, of course.
0: Given the fact that it started off quite casually although the moment was very big yeah. do you think that's important for men in not placing this big weight on a moment of disclosure like it yeah. can obviously be a big moment in their heads or it can feel like yeah. but for the other person to make them feel like it's not a big moment and it's just something casual you go to the pub or you, you go for a walk and it's something quite it's, nice you and sit easy sit down and talk yeah no yeah. It's literally easy. I believe it's something
1: easy because we can all talk <laughs> we can all talk but it's just articulating what's in our heads out loud and thinking is that person gonna judge me and whatnot mm. but the great thing about me and Aaron AB is that we've been friends for over 10 years now so we've seen each other grow and everything so we have allowed that space to happen and I feel like you can only allow that to people where they allow you to listen Or you can only open up to people when they allow you to listen not give their own input into things because when you're opening up, you don't want to, I don't, I won't lie to people. I don't want to hear,
0: oh yeah, I went through that too or anything like that. You think. So oh, you get towards a mental health first day, yeah, you yeah. do put your own input into it. You let them speak. You, you let yeah. them
1: speak as well. You let them, you let them articulate everything and that. And if they ask you for your opinion, that's when you give your opinion. That's or you, when
0: you say, I appreciate you asking, but the focus is on you right that's, now. That's it.
1: That's yeah. it. And that's, uh, that's something we've allowed
0: each other to do
1: and what not and I've allowed for other people when they open up to me I listen to people's problems I don't I don't put my own input there straight away mm. because you're coming of a place of vulnerability because you don't want to go tell someone else where they shut you down straight away because it has happened to me where I've told someone my problems, and be like, oh yeah, don't worry bro, it's happened to me too, man. You'll fight over this, get over it. Yes, I know I'll get over it, but I don't want to hear that at the moment of time, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it at the moment of time. I just want to hear you give me words of encouragement where I know I can overcome this, I know I can do it in this right way, where I can know I can listen to you and everything like that. As I say, when people open up to me, the first thing I say to them, I appreciate you coming to tell me this because it, it is a weight off your shoulder and are you allow to come tell me it, it, places like a, it. Yeah. it places like a big burden on me as well. Not mm. a burden, I, Responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. That's it.
0: It's a big responsibility and you value me a lot in your life. Tell me about when you felt confident to share your journal with him. What was that moment like? Um, Wow, that was
1: a big, big moment for me because this is my own intrusive thoughts and my thoughts and my feelings and then
0: that's when, the whole of you. That's not just what you present yeah, as well, yeah, even, that, to other, even to your closest friends. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I've only shared that between two other people and I don't think they have it like that either. But yeah, I shared it to AB because yeah, I was like, damn, I need someone else to see the way I was feeling because it, it got to this one point in my life. I was just thinking, damn women man <laughs> women man oh, yeah, think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like women really drive men crazy man and they don't even know so i had to share him the notes and everything like that and he was like raw i didn't know you're going through this mm. type of thing i was like yeah because like you try to keep strong you try block out these thoughts and uh, for me i call them intrusive thoughts because they pop up here and they go away they come back here again they're like the devil on your shoulder where it's, mate, how you feel like this, that, that, yeah, it's, mm. it's trying to, it's trying to play on your man and your emotions where you have to try your hardest to ignore them and it's hard to ignore them in truth and false because when they pop up, they stick to you like glue and it's crazy, man, it's crazy and yeah, that's something that I try to fight every single day, man.
0: I want to finish your mental health journey by talking about mindset and yeah. mentality, Joe, and you told me your mentality previously was very much a, we move type of mentality. Yeah. Whenever something difficult or bad happened to you. Now the pros of that can be a really good inner strength or resilience or anti fragility or stoicism, however you wanna call it. So what has been the pros and also what has been perhaps the downsides to it too? The downside of we
1: move, you don't think about you don't think about your stuff, well what you go through and everything that you do. And i said it got to a point where I said, I can't say we move no more, I don't care. We move is basically, I don't care for me. That's how that's how I, I labeled it. And a lot of things I said, ah, oh, you know what? I don't care, man. <sighs> oh, it is what it is, type of thing. There was and a blind zanus to it yeah, rather yeah. than a
0: positive yeah. reaction to things. No, nah, yeah. it's,
1: it's never a positive reaction to it. And we now change the term to We move to charge it. Right. Um, me, I like the word charge it. Sometimes you've got to say charge it. Like when something bad happens, you've got to charge it. But sometimes. You gotta self reflect. That's the most yes. that's that's the most important thing out of everything. So it's I mean, all very good going through L's, but if you don't acknowledge the L, you can't move forward and not yeah, take more L's. That's <laughs> yeah, it, that's yeah. it. And you gotta acknowledge your L's, you gotta you gotta face them you gotta face them head on and everything mm. and you gotta I learn them. from them, can you? That's yeah. it. And that's my thing right now where mentality was whenever I make a mistake or anything like that, I don't see them as L's. I don't see them as a problem. I see them as a learning curve. My L's are learning. It's not a loss, it's a lesson. It's a lesson, that's it. <laughs> literally, literally, literally. And that's the thing I've, I've learned to understand. Like you can't say we move and move on from the situation. You've got to reflect. You've got to identify where I went wrong, where I can improve on, and what I can do better from that situation. And we got taught this in school. <laughs> mm. Our three W's, what went well, what we can improve on. That's what we learned in school. And that's something I've taken on as well because I think people tend to forget that In this life, it's a lesson. We're learning and it's that every day we need to learn. And if you're not learning, it's a problem. Like if you're just taking things head on and going through things, you're not taking anything in. And yeah, when I wrote my spoken word, the first thing I said is life is a marathon, not a race. We all go through something in life and whatnot, whatnot. Yes, it's there on my Instagram on Freemans Media if you guys want to read it. little plug. But but yeah, it's just one of them things there where I just see life as a marathon and every day we are learning. We need to learn every single day because as I said, we're not perfect. If we were perfect, damn, the whole world would be a much better better place. There'll be no wars, there'll be anything like that. But it's just, we need to understand ourselves and better. And the only best way we can do that is by self-reflecting.
0: Before we reflect on your mental health journey, there was one thing you were keen to talk about and it's the idea that as men, the most important thing that we learn about ourselves is how we use our masculinity and almost like a tap when we turn it on, how hard to turn it on and when to turn it off and emotions like controlling anger, Mm. controlling outbursts, controlling emotions and regulating emotions as well. You were quite keen to speak about this and how we do that. So how did you go about doing that?
1: i say the worst feeling to ever, ever, ever have is anger. Because when you have anger in your heart, animosity and all like that, you don't think straight. You think from a place of hatred. You think from a place of... No good decision happens No a good decision. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's something I try to get rid of in myself. And where <laughs> I think, was it last week? Yeah, last week. Ah, oh, I woke up with so much anger in my heart, you know. <laughs> it was bad. I said to myself whoever makes me angry or rubs me the wrong way I'm gonna hurt you and that's not good I went to work and yeah, yeah it was not good because you know they say don't bring your problems into work and don't do this that,
0: that. that's easier said than done by it's the way yeah, yeah
1: it's easier said than done but you know at that point at that point I was oh mate a screw face on angry yeah anyone rub me the wrong way and don't talk to me bad I'm gonna tell you to <laughs> shut up <laughs> you want to challenge That's me dangerous, man. let's go outside let's fight <laughs> say anything Headbutt but someone you know i'm like and i was like nah i walked into work i said i couldn't do it i spoke to the executive chef i was like mate i need to go home i don't care if you don't pay me for that um i said to him i need to go home i'm going home the one thing i'm not going to do i'm not going to bring this anger around people because if not i'm just going to hurt someone and i'm going to hurt myself so what i did i took myself back to my office called off didn't do no work Done something that I enjoyed. play football manager. Relaxed myself. to the point That where zen I was, you? It zen me. I read and then I got to a point where I was like, there's still a bit of this anger in my heart. I listened to some sermons. I listened to some preachers. Joyce Mayer, Christian Furick, my pastor, my mentor, Manya Tamway. Listened to them and then I read the Bible and all of that anger whoosh, went away. I prayed and it went away. Mm. So yeah, I just feel like we need to tap into our emotions and don't let our emotions get the best of us, especially the negative ones which is anger, because yeah, on that day, something could have went left, you mm. know what I'm saying, and and that was not good, so I'm even happy that I took myself out of the equation out of everyone and said, you know what, I'm not doing this, like, the best thing I could do is keep myself in solace. You were aware of it as well, which I is was the best awa- Yeah, 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 I was very much aware of it, and that's, and that's the thing that we need to do, we need to be aware of our emotions, what we say to people may hurt other people, things that we do, we gotta check ourselves. More important as I said, self reflection is the most important thing we can do. And if we don't check ourselves
0: Things go left. Things go yeah. left. And yeah. we don't want things very to go quickly left. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Very, very quickly. That's what everything that I was doing. And I think no,
0: I'll save I'll save that bit for when you ask me that question. Okay. Alright, yeah. no worries. We're gonna reflect now on your mental health journey. So A, what has it taught you about yourself? Yeah. And B, if you could go back and talk to the 16-year-old Joseph, who was sat at home all day, nursing his ankle injury, feeling really sorry for himself. The 20-year-old Joseph, who was perhaps learning independence for the first time at university. Or the Joseph who was in the midst of that depressive period this year. What would you say to him, knowing what you do now?
1: I'll go back to my 16, 17 yourself, Because I did get out of that state, that depressive state, and find a bit of confidence in myself. And I'll just tell him, keep on going, man everything's going to turn out for the better just the way you want it to be it's going to turn out this is just a moment in time where you're being tested of your character you're learning about yourself and you're going to be the person who you, who you want to become in the future but don't worry right now man everything's going to be okay that's how I, I tell them everything's going to be okay and I wouldn't like to speak to my 16 self-year-old because that's uh when people ask me who motivates you in life and anything like that is between the age of 16 to 17. That's where that's the person that motivates me because that's where I found what I really wanted to do and where the motivation really came from, the drive, the mentality came from. So, yeah, that's the only person I would like to speak to. Yeah. And when people ask me who motivates you, who's the biggest inspiration? Me, my 16, 17 self. That's the only because he he said, you know what? You become a director and you're going to become a successful one. You become a successful filmmaker and whatnot. What are you are going to do? You're going to achieve everything in life, so yeah. Damn, that guy was so cool, man. I wish you could meet him.
0: <laughs> We've come to our final topic of conversation on Real Stories, Joseph, and it's one I try and have with all of my special guests. It is a general natter and a chat about our mental health. So, firstly, how is your mental health, mate?
1: Like a roller coaster. No.
0: <laughs> Expand if La- you have to. Like a roller coaster.
1: So, one day I'll be feeling good. Some days I'll be feeling bad. I wouldn't say bad, it's the intrusive thoughts, as I said mm-hmm. before, it's the intrusive thoughts that I try to get captive of myself and I try to ignore it as much as I can. But sometimes I let it run wild just because, I don't know, I think I enjoy it, man, because uh, it, it provides a bit of motivation for myself at the same time. So, yeah, my mental state and my mental health is, is a roller coaster, but more on a high.
0: I think you mentioned it really early on in the pod, but what age were you when you became self aware? of your mental health and you realised that the feelings you were having weren't physical and they were actually in your mind and a product of your mental health? At the age of 10. Was it a eureka moment or was it a gradual moment?
1: Gradual moment. Mm-hmm. So I knew it then that these are part of my head but really and truly it came to fall and captive at the age of 16, 17. 16, 17. Okay. Yeah, so it was probably like a gradual thing where you know, you know, sec- you know how secondary school
0: goes, man. Mm-hmm. Tell me the story, if you can, about the first conversation you had with someone about your mental health. So, who was it with? What impact did it have? And looking back, did it feel like a big moment or a weight had been lifted off your shoulders? Or, on the other hand, did it feel like something quite easy, insignificant, and normal to do?
1: I think looking back now, the first major one is when I had it with my mum. Mm-hmm. When I cried, um, said to her,
0: yeah, the Nando story, the Nando yeah. story, yeah, <laughs> I
1: think, oh, everything, cause I, I literally told her in my head, I don't want to do this, I don't like, leave me alone, type of thing, like I don't want to walk this, that the third, these were the thoughts in my head that were coming out loud. It was easy to come because it was a place of vulnerability. And that's someone that I trust with my whole life. I, I can speak freely to her and say anything like that. Even to this day, like, the conversations that I have with my mum, like, yeah, I'll tell her my thoughts and feelings, how I'm feeling today, how I'm doing everything today. And, yeah, she gives me words of wisdom and she inspires me and she does great for me. So, yeah, that's the first person. I'll say the second person will come again it will be AB. It'll be Aaron, like, yeah, when we literally had our little conversations and whatnot. I'll say those are the two people where my mental health chats started off with.
0: Brilliant. What things do you find in life that trigger your mental health? So you mentioned intrusive thoughts, but it could be things people say to you. It could be a sound, a sensation, or have you not figured all of them out yet?
1: The intrusive thoughts is the way people conduct themselves around me. It just makes me think. Do you like?
0: Do you mean like manners, behavior, language? Behavior, language, manners.
1: Just generally the way people mm-hmm. conduct themselves around me. And another thing is loneliness. Okay. (laughs) When I start to feel lonely and anything, that's an intuitive thought. Just late at night, normally. That's how it happens to
0: me. Yeah. When you're in your bed. Eesh. Yeah, uh, you, you say late at night, isn't right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying that's the, that yeah. can be the most vulnerable time yeah, Obviously, yeah, sometimes when yeah. you're all, Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, pre- I'm pretty much alone like 80% of my time, innit? Mm. Unless I go to work, unless I see my friends, other, other than that, I'm just me, myself, and I, innit? So, yeah, that's when them thoughts try kicking, and mm. I sometimes let them take captive and whatnot, but yeah, at the same time, I'm
0: you're kicking him away, yeah, yeah, get out, man. You said that a lack of sleep was also a big one for you, oh uh, yeah,
1: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, as I said, i been mean, at a current moment of time i'm fasting. I've been fasting for forty days, and yeah, I don't sleep well, I'm not eating well, so you know you know when you're you're would you say delirious
0: uh yeah, delirious is yeah, probably an accurate term, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, so I'm not eating, I'm not thinking straight, so a lot of things may come across the wrong way, or what not, things may come across the wrong way, but yeah, it's just. When misconstrued, been... yeah. That's it. I love that. Yeah, one. misconstrued.
0: What tools and methods do you use in your life to improve your mental health now? So, which ones have you found that have worked, yeah. and maybe which ones that you've tried but haven't worked? The one that has definitely worked for me is running. Definitely,
1: gyming exercising, taking myself out of the equation, be by myself for a bit, playing games, just being by myself. Yeah, I say definitely running because when you're running, you have you can't think. You can think, but you're thinking. How to breathe, the end goal, my time, and everything like that. So yeah, what hasn't worked for me? I'm not even too sure. (laughs) I think everything that I'm doing so far has worked for me. Well, that's good then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't really open up to a lot of people, just because I open up just a bit. But like the you pick and choose. I pick and choose what to say and say to people because I don't do. As I said, people care, but they care. Something got the
0: language. Yeah. It's platitudes you hear, and you've got to trial and error it, don't you? Yeah,
1: you know, literally, literally, literally. So I already know who To open up to and who to speak to, and who not to, no offense to anyone out there, but it's just of course, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how people think, and yes, you know, I know just about. Let me let me rephrase, I just know just about how people think, mm-hmm. and the attitude will come across it, so I know who to choose to and who to speak to. Yes,
0: and I think I know the answer to this next question. But what is the best book, or as I call it, mental health Bible you've yeah. read? You've <laughs> it's right there, the Bible, <laughs> yeah, very key place in there as well. But
1: there's another book mm-hmm. I've been reading recently by Jason Wilson, The Battle Cry. Very, very good book. It teaches you about emotions, about being a man. Because he went through some stuff as well. He's very vulnerable in the book. Mm-hmm. He even said, I can't write this book by not being vulnerable. I was meant to bring it with me, but I left my bag and uh, I don't, <laughs> don't have worry, stuff in my hand. It's a book that I've been recommending to my friends, and anything like that. If you want to tackle your emotions... Read this book. Okay. Read this book because it's Battle Cry, waging the winning the war within. And I remember when I was going through my depressive state, I bought this book to read it, but I couldn't read
0: it at the time. I don't Mm. know why. It was very, very difficult for me. It's hard when you're going through periods like that. It's always better to read it once you've come out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because then I'm really, oh, damn. Yeah.
1: I was going through through this and I was going through that. that I feel seen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was literally one of them ones now. I'm almost finished reading the book and everything, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly so much and uh, he has another book which I want to read as well but I said I need to get over this book first Mm -hmm. to move on to the second one
0: okay brilliant I've got one more question left and this is a broad one so you can answer it however way you want what more do you think we have to do to ensure men from all backgrounds all walks of life feel comfortable and safe in opening up about their mental health issues or just their general mental health if most importantly they want to do it we have to create that safe space
1: Mm mm-hmm that's the most important thing: safe space where there's no judgment and everything like that. Because I feel like out of everything in this world, men get judged the most, judged a lot. There's this weight that we have that should not necessarily be there. If you get what I mean? But is
0: it placed upon us? Or do we place it upon ourselves? Both. Mm. It's both.
1: It's both. Like as I said, I said, oh, yeah, I wanna be, I wanna be the caretaker of my family. I gotta do this, at the fair. It's It's well enough doing that, but yeah, ignore there's certain responsibilities that I have to come across it and everything. And when that happens, we need to create that safe space for ourselves to allow it and not to play to that because a lot of people use your vulnerability as a weapon. And that's where men be like, now nah, we shut off. And one thing I realise about us men is once you disregard our vulnerability or our mental, we don't speak about it again. Like, we yes, shut off have a lot of trust, don't we? Yeah. And if we, that
0: is left, there's only going to a reaction. Yeah, we're not doing it again. And I
1: think that's the most important thing trust as men we need to have a lot of trust and place and support where we can feel comfortable into speaking out into anything as i said you only need to tell us one person how your thoughts and feelings are and that's it and that weight on your shoulder is released
0: and on that note joseph kundi thank you so much for coming on real story and let me check in with you bro
1: thank you for having me man i really appreciate this
0: Well, that's all we've got time for in this episode of Real Stories. I want to say a big thank you to Joseph for telling me his real story and letting me check in with him. I'll put some links where you can follow Joseph and Three Minds Media on social media in the show notes. As always, thank you to all the vendors who tuned in this episode. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, please give it a share on social media, tell your friends or work colleagues about it, if you're feeling generous, write us a review or give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and help us out with the algorithms. If you like what we're doing here at VENT, you can support us further by going to Patreon. That's at www.patreon.com slash Help UK. If you don't want to do that, you can make one of the donations to our GoFundMe or you can buy a VENT t-shirt. That is at linktr.ee slash VENT Help UK. Stay tuned for the next episode of Real Stories. And remember guys, it is always okay to VENT.